This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Tanse, hello, and welcome back to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Shayla Olet Stonechild, and I'm very excited for today's conversation with Ashley Collingbull. She is a Cree First Nations woman from the Enoch Cree Nation in the province of Alberta, Canada. She is very devoted to her culture and to her people, and she takes pride in her Cree heritage. Not only that, but Ashley is a model, an actor, and First Nations activist who was the reigning Mrs. Universe of 2015. She's an actor on the television show Blackstone, and she was a contestant on The Amazing Race Canada in 2016. She also has graced magazine covers throughout Turtle Island. She's also a spokesperson and model for the Nike N7 organization. I'm very excited to take you on this journey of knowing a little bit more of Ashley's story, why she does the work that she does, and what her goals are for the future. Hi, hi. I'm very excited to have Ashley Collingbull here with me today. I feel like I have known her ever since I was like 18. I think I was introduced to Ashley Collingbull's work. Um, so it's been, I feel like 10 years since we've talked, like it's been a minute. <laughs> so Ashley, if you just want to introduce yourself. Tanze, my name is Ashley Collingbull. I am from Treaty 6 Territory. I'm from the Enoch Cree Nation in Alberta. I'm an actress, model, and motivational speaker, and I'm excited to chat today. Yeah, and so what have you been up to? I know it's been like 10 years, but like how has this past year been for you um, with the pandemic? I know you're currently in Florida. Honestly, it was really weird because all my work is in person and I travel so much and it feels weird that like when the whole pandemic shut everything down last March, my whole life like came to like a halt mm -hmm. and it was almost like unknown. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. But luckily like everything has basically turned virtual for me, which is totally different because I miss human connection. You know, yeah. that's like what I thrive on is like the energy from other people. But it's weird, like I've done so many campaigns and I've done a lot of work surprisingly during a pandemic. And I'm really thankful for that that I'm still able to do the things that I love to do. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm hoping things go back to normal soon because yeah. I miss people. <laughs> I know, I'm literally in the same position. Um, we kind of do like similar work. And so same thing, like I'm very um, like, teaching yoga and like ha being in community. I love that and not having that and going online, like you can only do so many virtual events until you're like, Hey, this is like a different kind of burnt out. Um, yeah. So I completely agree. I'm curious. What is your sign? I'm like very curious. What is your horoscope sign? Oh, I'm a Libra. So I always oh. want things balanced. I'm always, oh, and it's so true because I'm one of those people like I want things to always be fair, you know, and yeah. my life is always about balance. And I literally think my life is like that because say something really great will happen. I'm like, something is going to even that out. Something is going to happen to test me. Right. <laughs> and, that, and that's how it is. So do you believe in like karma then? Like if you do something bad, that will also come back to get you? 
I definitely believe in karma. So that's why I just always try to put good vibes out there. Cause I'm like, if I put good vibes out there, they're going to come back to me. <laughs> True. And like, we all know you have a very big platform and you've been in the public eye ever since I've known you for like 10 years. And so what keeps you connected to your power and your truth? Cause I feel like there's probably a lot of other people's opinions out there. There's a lot of lateral violence. So what are tools that you use to remain in your power? <sighs> yeah, I, I've been in like the public eye for so long now and it's honestly sad to say that I'm used to lateral violence mm. and to people being judgmental or telling me like what kind of life I should live and telling me what kind mm. of person I should be. And I feel like that's, it's terrible to say that that's normal in today's society. Like regardless of what I do, I realize that over time, like I can't make everyone happy. You know, I can't please mm -hmm. everyone. I can only do the work that, you know, I've been taught to do and how I've been brought up and what I know from my experiences, you know? So I feel that like a lot of the youth that I work with, they ask me about that is like, how do you deal with the lateral violence? Because it's mm -hmm. so prevalent. And a lot of times it's really prevalent in our own communities, like our own people trying to bring each other down just over jealousy or negativity, or they think, you're not doing it my way, you know, so it's yeah. wrong, you know, and I experience a lot of that. And a lot of times I need to take a break from the online world and yeah. focus on the present because, you know, I'm not back home in Alberta. Like my Muslim, he's a medicine man. So I can go and sweat. And I feel like when I'm in sweat, like I pray, I cry, I sing and I let everything go. Mm. And here I don't have that. So if I smudge every day, like mm -hmm. that makes me feel better instantly. And I, basically put a gratitude list together of things to be grateful for in my life because there's so much negativity in the outside world and for me it's just like having this like positive aura where I can like really rely on that and also like movement is medicine as mm -hmm. long as I'm like outside in nature or I'm breathing in the gym like moving my body I like mm -hmm. disconnect from like you know the online world and I feel like once I get control of my breathing and I'm moving it like clears my mind and I feel like that helps my mental health a lot. And I feel like at peace, you know what yeah. I mean? Just because I'm disconnecting. And it, it, I feel like that's something that I really need a lot of the time because just because of my presence online or like my platform, like I experience so much from different angles. But like I said, it's sad to say that I'm used to it. But yeah. a lot of business influencers, they're not used to that. No. Like I've been going through this for... <laughs> For forever, you know, and like, so when I talk to a lot of influencers, and they reach out to me, they're like, how do I deal with this? You know, how do I deal with like the backlash? Or if I do something wrong? And I'm like, you know, if you do something out of the goodness of your heart, and it's coming from a good place, and like, you have to know that you can't please everyone. And that's just yeah. like the world we live in now. And I feel like a lot of people always like want something to complain about as well mm. and and it and it bothers me if someone doesn't do something right according to someone else's terms they want to cancel them you know and they were doing yeah. something out of the goodness of their heart and and i'm like why aren't our own people like lifting us up you know i Literally. feel like you know when one of us succeeds it's so beautiful to see because there's going to be so many more after instead of trying to bring them down because they did something different or they got attention for something. And, you know, I just, I don't like that. So I'm like, just spread the positivity. And if yeah. someone's coming negative at me, I'm like, it's not going to affect me. I've been through this game way too long. I'm like, yeah. I can't, what I learned over time is that I can't worry about things that I have no control over. 
That's so true. Because if I do, it will just it will just tear me up inside, and yeah. I'm like, that's not worth it. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I feel like when you have a platform, you have a bunch of pressure because as Indigenous people, we we are accountable to our communities, and people may think you need to use your platform for this, you need to use it for this, and you're like, I am one person. I'm trying to also maintain like my physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health while also operating a business and doing so much. And so, do you have boundaries in place? In your life because I know you are in the public eye, but you also do auditions, you do movement. Like, how do you plan out your schedule? And like, do you value something more than the other? How does that work for you? Do you have a team? Yeah, I actually have a team. Thank God. <laughs> I'm like, if I didn't have a team, I feel like it would be so hard for me to do a lot of it though. Like my lifestyle before this pandemic happened was I was probably flying like 14 flights in seven days, like something crazy like that. So wow. I was like exhausted, not just physically, but mentally. Now it's like, I'm glad I have the time to be grounded and kind of be in one place. But for me, like, mm -hmm. I still want to do my work because that's what I love to do. And that's what like, you know, makes me feel fulfilled and I feel happy about it. There's lots of things that I actually say no to just because it doesn't align with like what I believe in. And I feel like a lot of organizations, companies, they always reach out and they're like, do you want to do this and do that? And I'm like, well, I don't want to be your token native that's going to yeah. diversify your company. You know what I mean? I'm like, don't use me in that way and then just be done with it. Because mm. a lot of the companies that I work with right away, like I kind of make demands in a way where I say, <laughs> you know, if you're going to, you know, work with me, like, it's just not going to end here. I'm like, what are you going to do to give back? What are you going to do yeah. to actually help like all the movement that I'm doing and all the work that I'm doing that's unseen, that's not online? I'm like, are you going to help these charities that I'm constantly helping? Are you going to help these kids, these women? So I'm like, you got to actually like make it matter. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and I feel that like a lot of companies don't want to do the work. So totally. I'll only work with companies that want to like do the work and then keep the work going instead of it just being like, Hey, it's a one-time thing. Look at us. We're yeah. so diverse with this right? native representative. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not over. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then if I didn't have like my team booking, like all my gigs and whatnot for me. And like, I'm shooting, like, it's crazy that I'm still doing stuff. I just can't believe it. Like I'm shooting a cover for a magazine next oh, week. So I'm still doing like in-person things, but out of safety, but I just like, honestly can't wait to be back in person. Like, I feel like I'm, I need that. <laughs> well, and I think like having the authority to decide um, what projects you take on and what you say no to, I feel like as Indigenous people, sometimes we feel like maybe when we're starting out our career that this is the only opportunity where I get to be represented or this is the only thing that I'll have my voice heard. And so we're so quick to hop on these opportunities, but it's like, no, is this relationship like a reciprocal relationship? And people don't see the work and the dialogue and the conversations that happen behind the scenes because I ask the exact same questions. I'm like, this is what I want from you. Can you meet me here? If not, then go work on this. And then maybe we can come back in conversation when you've done more of the work internally. Um, so I love that you bring that up because I feel like social media and influencing is just so new that we're constantly learning these new dynamics. And so moving into 2021, I know you said that you want to be back in community and you're shooting a new magazine cover. What else do you have in store for uh, the rest of the year? 
There's a lot of things I legally can't say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sign to an NDA I, I, like, and a contract. I honestly hate that because there's so many exciting things. And I'm like, I can't wait to tell someone. I'm like, but I don't want to lose that job, you know? But honestly, right, there's totally, like, totally. Um, I have a series that's coming out. Probably, I'm not sure when it's coming out at the end of the year. Um, I'm working on a lot of different projects, a lot of different platforms. And I feel like I've been working a long time trying to create my own foundation. That's just something mm. that I'm really like gearing up towards because like I work with a lot of different foundations and a lot of women who are at risk or in shelters, but I want to create my own because the majority of indigenous women in shelters are, you know, they're the majority. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm trying to come up with my own foundation and hopefully by the five year mark, I can have something ready to go in different indigenous communities across the country. Cause like growing up, I didn't have a safe place to escape to. Like we were lucky that we went to my grandparents, but because there was no room for us at the shelter, I know what it feels like. And you know, me and my mom, we throw a gala every year and all the funds and everything goes back to these women in the shelters. And we actually bring the indigenous women who are in the shelters to come for the night and we'd get them all dressed up. And we see like, you honestly get to see like that's, their second chance at life and not everyone gets that especially if they're indigenous it's so hard for women to get back up on their feet and especially if they have children and Mm -hmm. it's just like a safe place for them to you know grow again and that's just something that's really important to me because it's it's just how I was brought up that's like the one thing that I really want to work on regardless of Mm -hmm. like everything else that I do which is you know amazing like that's the one thing I really want to focus on. Mm, I love that you bring that in because yeah, when you are given a platform or you know these opportunities, it is about like how can you share and give back to your community and you have a direct connection to these women because you have experienced it yourself, I'm assuming. I don't know if you want to share a little bit of your childhood or your own story of why this work is so important to you. Well, growing up, like, I was very lucky to be living with my mom and my grandparents, my cook and mission. You know, I was raised really traditionally. My grandparents are a medicine man and medicine woman. So that's like the environment I grew up in until I was about five years old. Me and my mom, we uh, moved away to go live with her boyfriend at the time. And he was also indigenous. And we moved to another reserve. It was one of those situations where he was really charming. And everyone in the community thought Mm. he was so wonderful. But deep down, he's he's attacked a lot of women and a lot of children Mm. and it was like a big secret. So when it started, when I started first getting uh, abused physically and sexually abused, I was just five. So to me, I didn't, I honestly could not understand what that meant. I didn't know if like, that's what love was supposed to be, but it went on till I think about like six, seven years. And because Mm. of that, like I had to grow up really fast. I didn't trust men. I had a lot of insecurities and I hated myself for what was happening to me. And then having to keep secrets like that and, you know, see my mom being abused as well. It's like I lived in fear. So when we finally did escape and there was no room for us, that scared me because I thought this is my chance. So we were lucky to go back to my grandparents. And Mm. that's why it's so important to me is because like, I know what it's like to, you know, go hungry and to, yeah be told things over and over for years and you you start to believe that about yourself. So when I went back to my grandparents, they didn't know how to adjust to what a normal life should be like. So it took Mm. a long time, a long time. 
I was going to ask first, thank you for sharing your story and that side of yourself. Um, and I think that's an important conversation is as indigenous people, we have intergenerational trauma is a real thing. And so I'm curious, you said it took you a very long time, but were there um, certain things that you did that really helped you come back into your power and into your peace? Yeah. And, you know, once you just said intergenerational trauma, I want to tell people also is that, you know, my abuser, his parents were in the residential school Mm. and they ended up abusing him and that's what they knew. And then he abused me. So I feel the full effects of it. You know, it's something I never wanted to experience. And when I went back home to Enoch, my cook, who's also a residential school survivor, she was like the only one person I could really talk to because she has been abused. She knows what it's like. And she told me, you know, in order to move forward, like, I have to let go. I can't let that, like, hate and anger take over me. And the one thing she told me was, you know, a lot of people were turned to drugs and alcohol when that happens. And, you know, I saw a lot of my cousins doing the same thing, especially, like, at my young age. And I just didn't want that life for myself because, Mm -hmm. like, my abuser told me so many times, like, you're worthless. No one's going to ever care about you. You're never going to amount to anything. And I felt like I wanted to just prove myself wrong, you know, not have that self-doubt. So my cook told me to stay on the red road. And she said, this is where your healing is because, you know, I had to go to court for all this and I had to go to therapy. You know, the judge told me, you know, Ashley's got a lot of mental health issues. Um, She's suicidal. She's going through a lot. She needs to see a therapist. And I saw about like maybe four or five different therapists. And each time, like I would throw something or yell at them and be like, just, tell me how to be happy, you know, like, and I was looking, I was looking for answers in all the wrong places. And my cookum said that like, our medicine and your healing is here at home in the sweat and in ceremony. She's like, this will make you feel strong. And I remember sitting in sweat one time and I was just crying and Mm -hmm. I felt like everything was just coming out and everything was letting go. And being around that, like I started to feel strong because my grandparents went through that and they had to build themselves back up. So I felt mm-hmm. like I was just like slowly building myself back up again. And, you know, healing takes time. I feel like even now I'm triggered by random things, but I don't let it overtake my life. And that's something that you just have to work on every single day. Yeah. I, you brought up a really good point of this aspect of letting go. And um, it made me think of forgiveness and realizing that forgiveness is you reclaiming your power and, and it's clearing that channel and that energetic cord that you have with that person. And so for women out there who may be experiencing, you know, something similar to you or abuse, what would your advice be for these women? It's so important to talk to someone like I was silenced for years. My mom was silenced for years and I know it's so scary to use your voice, but that's your power. Your voice Mm. is your power and it can get you out. There's always going to be someone there that can understand you. And it's a situation where you're never alone. And I needed to learn that is that I'm not the only one who's been through something like this. And it's not just me and my mom against the world. There's so much help. It's just, you just have to use your voice. And that's probably the scariest part is speaking up. But once you get past that point, you're, it, there's a release. And yeah. you're like, okay, I can't let it have this control over me anymore. 
well, that's like a part of the healing journey, I feel, is like releasing it. And also it's like a death and rebirth of your old self yeah. and your new self. And I know you have done so much in your life. You uh, were Miss, was Miss Canada. Mm-hmm. What year was that? Like 2000. 10 I think oh my god I'm so ancient now (laughs) (laughs) Miss Canada and the amazing rays like my old my old pageant days (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like from your healing journey you started using your voice in a lot of different places and so I'm curious to know like what has been one of your highlights um in your career and also one of the challenges uh within your career probably using my voice you know, what's crazy <laughs> is um, when I went to court when I was a kid and I had to explain in like deep detail of like what happened to me with my abuser sitting there and his family was laughing at me and that killed me oh, inside yeah. because, you know, that's my truth and you think it's a joke. So I remember getting off that stand and I told myself, I'm never going to speak out loud ever again. I was like, I'm going to be silent for the rest of my life. And I was silent for a long time. And then it, I didn't realize until I started working with other youth and women who were dealing with the same things as me is that like my voice is so powerful and it can go so far. It can either like amplify other people's voices, but then you can also experience a lot of negativity from speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in every aspect of my life, whether it was like using pageantry to use my voice or you know, going on national things, it just felt like that was my power. And it, it was scary, because, you know, you never know what kind of uh, backlash you're going to receive, or who's going to come at you. And even if you're doing things from a good place, you know, it's, it's a, it's scary to speak out loud like that. And especially like calling out other people's crap, like calling out the government when I won my pageant. <laughs> yeah. That was insane. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. That was amazing, though. That was like so powerful because I feel like I don't know if you can relate, but when I'm scared about using my voice, I call upon like my ancestors and the matriarchs and my lineage. And so when I feel like when I go to battle or when I go to use my voice, it's like I'm not just going alone. I'm going with like a lineage behind me. And when I saw that um, interview on TV, I was like, that's it. Like, I felt like you just had like a bunch of women matriarchs your ancestors backing you up when you went full force and how was that experience for you because I remember that interview honestly I I was planning ahead in case I did win I was like what am I going to do to like make this you know bigger than it is because it's not just about me like regardless of what position you are in your life and if you have like some type of platform so type title like use it to your full advantage and doing this I was thinking like how can I you know keep this going how can I make some kind of like positive effect on people and it was during Mm. the time of the federal election there was a lot of things that was political about but no one really kind of cared until like I had a national title and when I won I honestly did not expect that type of attention I was just thinking okay yeah I made history I was like but no one's gonna really pay attention because I'm indigenous and it I got attention for that but then once I like open my mouth, people are like, hey, you're not supposed to be political. You're not entitled to an opinion. Who do you think you are? And I'm like, I'm just speaking like all indigenous people's truth. I'm like, I'm speaking about what's actually going on right now and what you guys keep yeah. pushing under the rug. And, I'm, and, you know, I called out the government and I remember I called out Stephen Harper for all his crap. And 
he ended up deleting the congratulatory tweet to me. Oh, really? He was salty. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, when I when I experienced that, I I couldn't believe it because I kept seeing my name trending at the top of like Facebook and Twitter, yeah. and Kanye West's name was under mine, and Justin Bieber's what? was under mine. I was like, <laughs> what world am I living in? I was like, but you guys need to get on my level. <laughs> I was just like laughing. I couldn't believe it, but like. I honestly, once I opened my mouth, like I had the media in the palm of my hand. I was like, mm. and they were just listening and eating up. And that never happens because the media only decides who they want to listen to, who's important, you know, yeah. who's in the spotlight. And that's what sucks. And I told the media, I said, you know, it's sad that it took a beauty queen for you, yeah, guys to for you to listen. And I'm like, there's so many people speaking about this. I'm like, so many people who are better to speak about it and there's people that have been going on this for years i'm like but now because i won this title and i'm bringing it back to the country and i'm like now you want to listen now you're gonna listen yeah now that i have a platform and a crown you're gonna listen to what i have to say do you ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes of your favorite homegrown films and tv shows well, it's time to pop some popcorn, go behind the camera, and meet the people who are making it happen. I'm Mariska Fernandez, host of the Maple Popcorn Podcast. In this new series, you will discover exclusive interviews with Canadian icons and hear them talk about Canadian flicks and even break the fifth wall to share set anecdotes. This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female and powered by Telefilm Canada. Subscribe now on the podcast app of your choice and don't miss an episode. Stay in the know by visiting telefilm.ca slash see it all. Speaking of listening, there's kind of a shift happening here in Canada. You're obviously probably updated, but um, the findings of the 215 children of the Kamloops uh, Indian Residential School, and I believe there's even more bodies being found. And I feel like Canada is finally waking up to the realities that exist here. Um, and so do you have hope for our current government? Do you have hope for Canada itself? Like, wh where do you see this? Where do you stand? Honestly, I feel like if anyone ever votes for a new prime minister, it's voting the lesser of the evils. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like, is this our best hope? You know, and it's sad because like, you know, the government was a system that was created to destroy us, to erase us. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're constantly battling a system that doesn't want us here. It's almost like we're we're such a problem to deal with. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, there are some people that want to create change. But for me, it's like, if you're just using your words, like, where's your action? You know, like, you're yeah, making broken yeah. promises. And I feel like that's something we're so used to. But now I feel like indigenous people are really like coming together. Like, they're saying, hey, enough's enough. Like, we're going to keep flooding you with like the truth. We're going to still be here because we are. And for me, like, I feel like only our people are really going to move forward and have a better country together is like for us if we just keep like fighting the fight but it's hard to rely mm -hmm. on a system and that's something that I never wanted to do I wish like we could just have our own system and you know govern ourselves yeah, but we're not even yeah, in so that we're not even in that place and I feel like even in government we need more space like we need our own occupying the space saying like how we're going to govern ourselves like what we know instead of it just being you know, um, middle-aged white man, what does he know? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and people who are in charge of 
like indigenous relations and whatnot, why aren't they indigenous? Like yeah. there are so many questions and so many things that need to be changed, but it's going to take so much time. But for Canada to be better, it's like, we can't rely on the system. Like it's mm. the people. I feel like non-indigenous people need to understand, you know, we are not the statistics that media like perpetuates us to be. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't even know like the truth of Canada. Like when I posted a video a few days ago about residential schools, about like my grandparents experience, a lot of people didn't know and they're Canadian and a lot of them had competed in pageants. Yeah. And I'm like, how did you not know the true history? Yeah. And that just boggles my mind. I'm like, if you're going to speak up, like for a country that you're just in love with, I'm like, at least know what it actually stands for exactly. and what's actually happening. Because like, I feel that like people don't understand is like, Oh, Hey, you know, that's history. Just get over it. And I'm like, no, like I'm still living through this. Our people are still suffering. I'm like, we have people who are living in third world conditions in our country. Yeah. And everyone else thriving from the government getting money thrown at them and i'm like how do we not have clean water how are we still fighting for our rights and our lands i'm like how is this still happening you know Mm -hmm. i feel like it's just a constant battle so it's a little hard for me to be optimistic i can be optimistic towards my people because they're using their voices more but I'm not optimistic towards a system that was never meant for us to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I think it brings up this concept of uh, decolonization. Uh, you're speaking of the system mm-hmm. of, you know, we can't really find um, the answers in the same system that hurt us. And so I'm curious to know, like, do you resonate with the term decolonization? And what does that look like in your own eyes? For me, I feel like I'm just kind of freeing myself from like a status or position that was really pushed on us as indigenous peoples. I feel Mm. like I also have to change my thought process and like deconstruct from these like colonized ways of thinking. I feel like that's the only way that I'm going to create a new narrative for myself. And if I decolonize like that, then I can finally be who I truly am and not what people say I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I made a post before it was like dismantle all colonial programming that told you you weren't enough. Yeah, because even though like we exist, like we're all we've all been colonized in a way like even our thought processes um, rooted in white supremacy, this idea of having to be perfect all the time. Um, So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. And when we are talking about decolonization, I think it's also reimagining a new future that has yet to exist. And so when you hear the word like indigenous futurism if you could indigenize a future what would it look like you know there's so many different ways that you can do that like instead of like not only just giving power back to our voices and changing our views on the world but you know our voices can create this new narrative like when I think about it I'm like what are our future going to look like how can we incorporate like traditional ways and teachings into like new technology and medicine for example Mm. you know using our stories and voices to create space for change and that creates a better future not only for us but future generations there's so many ways that we can intertwine old ways with new ways and that's just something that we have to work on as people Mm -hmm. for me I'm like we need our own space 
Yeah. We need to be at the head of the table. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is bringing up like another conversation that I've been having this week is like when you start to have a platform and you start using your voice, you sometimes get like resources and opportunities and then you start having more networks and connections. And so there's this idea of like, yes, we're indigenous, but we also are able-bodied. We also are maybe lighter skinned. So we have like kind of these privileges of having these connections. And so I know you touch base on you hope to create a foundation, but I'm curious to know, like, how do you support your community in tangible ways? For like right now? Yeah. Or, or you like, mean, what like do you, for my future, or for plans. future <laughs> This is what I've been toying with in my mind. This is what I'm trying to visualize for myself of like, how can I actually give back to my community? And is this something that I, that I exist right now? Or is this like more long-term focused? Yeah. I feel like I can always get back to my community. I'm always in touch with them and I'm always doing stuff with the kids for the school. There's always yeah. something that like I'm reaching out to them with, which is nice. Like they just created some new arts program where they, it's really cool actually. It's like a digital show and you can bring all these different aspects onto it. So I feel like, you know, being a part of stuff like that and also the summer programs that we put together mm -hmm. is really fun. Yeah. And, you know, bringing other indigenous voices in and if mm -hmm. I can like create programs there, because I think one really important thing about bringing people who aren't from our reserve or who are indigenous and have succeeded off reserve is to bring them in and to show the kids like, hey, you know, like this is possible. It doesn't have to be just someone from your community. It just goes to show like this is all across Turtle Island. Like there is success mm -hmm. stories because mm -hmm. a lot of kids like they can be told something, but I feel like they have to see success firsthand in order to like really grasp it and be like, it is within my reach. And with the, what's my future plans? Like I definitely want to have a shelter in my own community. Like that would be one of the first places just because we're also so close to the city, but it's just something that like, I got to keep working on, you know, always giving back mm -hmm. to my community is important because you can never forget where you come from. I mean, my community yeah. has helped me out a lot in so many different aspects and they've always been like really supportive of me. So when I'm ever mm -hmm. home, like there's always something that I'm doing. I, and I feel like, and like, <laughs> even like speaking at the school, I feel like I've spoken at that school so many times <laughs> this year too, even like virtually. So I feel like it's just, I'm always there, even though I'm not, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I, I really like that because I don't want, the kids to think like oh ashley left enoch because a lot of people say yeah. that if you leave the reserve and find success a lot of people will say you're too good for your yeah, reserve you left now. us yeah Who do you think? and i'm like you know a lot of people can find success in their own communities which is great i'm like but the things that i want to chase aren't on in my community so like mm -hmm. i'm obviously gonna have to leave to you know make my dreams come true but i can always come back yeah, it's always there. And community, I think, is also like relationship. It may not necessarily like, yes, it's your place, it's your home territory, but it's also through your relationship and having that no matter where you are in the world. But I know you've been in Florida. So how is it living in Florida? And like, I know you have dual citizenship. I my goal is to like move to Hawaii. But I'm curious to know before I do. I do is it? Oh, my God. We I can go, go to Hawaii. Right? Buffy St. Marie. That's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> Like Buffy St. Marie is like my long-term goal. Best friend. <laughs> She's going to be my best friend. We're going to live in Hawaii together. <laughs> Literally, that is my goal. Uh, yeah, that's always my dream. I'm like, I want to like just live in Hawaii, live off the land. I'm like, I love how yeah. everyone's so rich in their culture there. But like, honestly, this last year, 
it's been really weird living in Florida because they only closed for one month. (laughs) Everything is fully function open. There's no mask mandate here. Like everything is open at people. So I feel like when I go home, what I'm nervous about is that even my family is quite paranoid because they've been in this lockdown for months. So they just watch the news Mm. so much, just waiting for some good news. And if I ever tell them what I'm doing here, they're like, oh, my God, aren't you so afraid? You know, and I'm like, well, I got to go grocery shopping. <laughs> like, I, gotta yeah. do something. I feel like I am scared to go back to that type of mentality in Canada because I was surprised that Canada was so behind. I was surprised that, like, I got my I got fully vaccinated here a long time ago. Yeah. Before, like, I would even be eligible in Canada. So it's nice to still be able to live my life here, but I'm ready to go home. I miss my family so much. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've been waiting to be fully vaccinated so I can hug my mushroom again. Literally. Like those are things that I think about. I'm like, I just want to hug everybody. Right. I know. I actually just lost my grandpa and it was very hard because I hadn't like hugged him in a year. And I was like, this pandemic is all hitting us in different ways. And yeah. And in, yeah, no worries. Um, and we thrive in like community and we go to sweats and we go to ceremonies. Um, and I know you've brought up like your mom and your grandmother quite a few times in this conversation and this idea of matriarchy. What does the word matriarchy? mean to you and are there current matriarchs you're inspired by right now matriarch to me just really means like a woman of power a leader with a strong presence that's leaving a legacy behind you know the matriarch in my family was my cookum now that she's not here with us it's my mother you know my cookum was a medicine woman and she was like a really respected strong leader in my community and the thing i really respected about her is that she just she went above and beyond to always think of others before herself. And she always stood up for what she believed in. Like her voice was so powerful and everyone always listened. It was crazy how much power she had. And she was only five feet tall, you know, small (laughs) woman with like this big voice. And it resonated with so many people. And whenever people talk about her now, like it makes me cry because I didn't realize how loved she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like to me my cook i always talked about like you know what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind and when I think about that I'm like you know that's a really powerful way to think because you're mm-hmm. not just thinking of like what am I going to do for myself you know for my future it's like what am I going to leave behind for the next generation you know and mm-hmm. that's something that I really respect and I feel like that's kind of like what I live my life by now is that you know one thing that my cook always told me is that you know, you never know who's watching you. She told me even when I was younger, she's like, you're a role model, whether you know it or not, because you never know who's watching. And I always tell the kids, I always tell the youth that like, you know, you're a role model, whether you know it or not. I'm like, you graduate or you do something, you find success. I'm like, someone is going to be watching and looking up to you and thinking that they can do the same thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's all about leaving behind like this positivity because you never know who you're going to affect what kind of like positive ripple effect you're going to leave behind who else you're going to you know leave these feelings with and then Mm. they're just going to feel like i can do this too you know so for me like a matriarch can be so many different types of people but it's like for me it's like what's your legacy 
Yeah, that's so powerful. It's like coming back to that seven generation prophecy of always looking yeah. ahead and realizing like, yes, it's good to have intentions, but what is the impact behind those intentions? Um, I'm curious to know a little bit of when you are, you know, visualizing your legacy, are there certain um, ways you do that through manifestation, through journaling, through visualizing? I'm curious to know, like, what is your process of leaving behind your legacy? <laughs> So I have a journal, <laughs> I have a journal and like, I write random things in there about like how my day was because I've been doing this since I was a little girl and I'll look back and read some of them. I'm like, God, I'm crazy. I'm like, Who talks like that? But I always noticed, like I always made plans for myself or things that I wanted to accomplish. Like even as a young girl now, like I have a journal actually right here in front of me. I write down things that like I want to accomplish this year. Like a lot of my things, it's like year by year because there's just so much that can change within a year. And then I also think about like my future. So for me, like I'm just always making plans and always trying to set a new goal for myself. Even if it's small, I'm like, I've succeeded, you know, that feels mm -hmm. good and that can help me with the next thing. And you know, my life is just really unpredictable. You know, I feel like so many things get thrown at me and a lot of things are really good. And then I could do more from that. So for me, if I ever have an opportunity, like I try to make more opportunities out of just that one, not just for myself, right. but for other people as well. So for me, it's like, there's my life's just always changing, but I always make sure that I have goals set. And if you know, it's something that I think is out of reach. I'm like, I just keep working harder for it. Or if it's like mm. acting, experience a lot of no's, a lot of <laughs> you're not, not that. I'm like, well, I'm going to keep going. I'm like, no's aren't going to stop yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acting industry, you definitely have to have thick skin and you get used to, yeah, a lot of no's for a lot of yeah. different reasons. Um, I love that you're very future focused. I feel like that is really what's going to accelerate our future is visualizing a new future that has yet to be done. And so how can people keep um, in touch with you moving forward? How can people support your work? Well, for me, like I said before, it's like, if you want to work with me, we got to be on the same page. I'm like, you got to still want to amplify like the other work that I do, or at least donate or help, you know, because these companies or whoever wants to work with me, they usually have a, such a huge platform and they have so many resources that can actually make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know that is like, don't ever try to tokenize me. And, you know, my mainstream work will never define who I am. That's mm -hmm. just something that's on the side that I like to do. So for me, like, if you ever want to reach me, you can just find me on my website and then mm -hmm. email me that there's actually like so many different ways to find me on social <laughs> media. But like, a lot of times people will reach out to just to want to talk or like not work related. Some yeah. people actually just want to talk and like kids want to reach out. So a lot of times we do that through social and then once I'm comfortable and I know it is a kid, <laughs> I'll give you my mailing address. And then we actually like, uh, okay, I have well. like pen pals and stuff. Oh, so sweet. I find that like so fun because it, it just makes me feel like there's such a stronger connection other than just, you know, Social being media. online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people think they have access to you like 24 seven through social media. It's a little hard to I keep know. up to like all the DMS. Um, you brought up, some things that they can do to support you. But I'm curious to know, what would you, your advice be for non-Indigenous people that are wanting to support Indigenous communities? They definitely have to do the work. They can't just mm -hmm. jump in and think that things are okay and that like, hey, I'm going to throw some money at you. 
it's mm. okay. You know, we're doing it from a good place. I'm like, they literally have to do the work on the companies and people that they want to work with. So they're not stepping on any toes, offending anyone because, you know, people are really sensitive, especially in the times that we live in now, people are even extra sensitive and, and with things like really unfolding in indigenous communities, like all this truth, it's Mm -hmm. such like a touchy time. And like, I've had friends who've reached out to me with their companies, not for work, but asking, how do I like amplify indigenous voices? How do I do things properly? And that's one really good thing is to actually like reach out to indigenous people in the community to, you know, get different perspectives instead of just going forth and doing your own thing and be like, okay, Mm. well, I did my job. Like, we're good. We totally stand for you and whatnot. And I'm like, no, you guys have to actually do the work. I'm like, educate yourself. There's so many different ways you can. I'm like, they have university free programs yeah, for literally. anyone just to teach you about our history. I'm like, there's so many different ways, so many different resources, people to read. I'm like, podcasts like this to listen mm-hmm. to. There's just so much that you can learn. And people just really need to take that initiative instead of being lazy about it. Yeah, that's so true. Because it, it, it's also a lot of emotional labor on us indigenous people. It's like, if you could come mm-hmm. to the table, just knowing these, these few things before we begin to talk about what ways to dismantle and reconnect, then that saves me a lot of my own work. Um, yeah. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. And you can follow Ashley. Uh, what's your Instagram handle? Ashley Collingwell, right? <laughs> Ashley Collingwell, my name. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward. I would ask you about your future, but you're signed too many NDAs. So I guess I'll just watch on the gram or like wait, <laughs> like, wait to see what you're up to. Stay tuned, everyone. Just wait. And then once I announce it, you, we can talk all about it. <laughs> talk all about it. Sweet. Well, thank you so much and have a blessed day i hope you enjoyed today's episode and i would love your feedback follow me on instagram at shayla0h at matriarch.movement and don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible i'll be back in a week hi hi thank you so much for tuning in